Good morning, church family. Good to see you out on the very first Sunday of November. I uh, appreciate uh, Pastor Jackson preaching for me last Sunday. About Thursday of last week, ended up with a sinus infection. And uh, always, my dad always taught me uh, when I worked on his staff, he said, you always have a sermon ready just in case. You never know when Sunday morning rolls around, uh, the pastor might wake up sick. And uh, so Thursday, I started feeling a little bit weird, went to the doctor on Saturday last week. And uh, Saturday evening comes around and I text him. I was like, there is no way in the world I'm going to be able to speak uh, tomorrow. And as a pastor, uh, you don't normally just sit home on Sunday. I mean, that's just, it's not part of your DNA. It's not part of who you are. And uh, last Sunday, I was like a fish out of water the whole day. And uh, Went back to the doctor on Monday and went through an entire round of antibiotics, all that stuff. They say I'm not contagious, but I'm not shaking your hand this morning. We're glad to be in the house of God. It is November, uh, and uh, it is uh, really, for at our house, it's already, Christmas has already started. Anybody else already started Christmas at your house? All right, these are the fun people, all right? Look around, all the hands, these are the fun people in the building. Everybody else is Scrooges, I'm telling I'm playing. Yeah, Thanksgiving is a day, Christmas is an entire season, so we can celebrate the entire season. Uh, we have two Christmas trees already up in our house and many more to come. Uh, Christmas villages are going to start appearing this week, and uh, I absolutely love this season of the year. And uh, we are thankful we're hosting a big old-fashioned Thanksgiving at our house uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and we'll have all the traditional turkey and all that, but with the Christmas decorations already up. So anyway, anybody that hates on me, you know, I'll pray for you. But anyway, uh, good to see you in the house of God. We are, I'm so excited, and I want to congratulate the church. I told them back there they may have to turn my mic down. Uh, when you have all these medicine going on, uh, I talk really loud. My wife's like, you have been yelling at the family all week and not even realizing it. So just turn my, you know, slight, uh, turn the music up or whatever you need to do. But anyway, uh, during the month of October, we were looking at how we do missions as a church. Our goal was to raise $40,000 for uh, global missions. This is not in the, not even in the triangle, not what we're doing local, but uh, globally what we're doing and uh, reaching the, the, the ends of the earth with the gospel. And uh, to, as of last week, our, uh, our goal already was already exceeded by, it was at $48,260. And what an awesome thing. Let's give the Lord a hand on that. And um, some of you, if you haven't already done it, filled out your card, uh, today's the last day you can do that and turn that in in the offering boxes out front, but already almost $10,000 over our goal, and that's an awesome thing. 2023 has been a year of sevens. We sent seven people to Nicaragua on a mission team in, uh, in June of this year. We sent seven to Romania in August of this year, and we have seven in Newburn right now that are serving with Baptists on Mission helping rebuild a house, and uh, when they got down there, they thought it was from a, a previous hurricane, found out their house was burned uh, burned down, and uh, their family was sleeping in their car in their driveway and had absolutely nothing to their name, and what an awesome thing to know. They're, they're doing drywall, they're finishing up, and they're hoping to be in before uh, early part of December, uh, before Christmas, and uh, so we're excited just to be able to be a part of that. Stoke, a couple of our men that are down there, uh, Steve Gerslin and Chad Joyce, and uh, just said the team is having a great time and excited about what God is doing. During the month of November, I'm going to be preaching through a series entitled Living in the Light of Christ's Return. And I'm excited to, 
uh, touch on several areas uh, looking at the end times and what's happening. Uh, and really, it has the ability to cause fear or it has the opportunity to stir our faith as followers of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this morning and over this month as we lead up to the month of December, as we lead up to the Christmas season, on, uh, today we're looking at the rapture of the church and encouraging people to get ready. We're going to be talking about that. We'll be at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in just a second. You can go ahead and be turning there. Uh, next Sunday we'll be looking at heaven, anticipating our forever home. Some of you are trying to buy a home or maybe you're purchasing a home. You're like, oh, this is our forever home. Well, folks, if you know Christ is your savior, this is not forever. All right. We are just passing through and I'm thankful for that. And uh, we are, Christ is preparing a place for those that know Christ in heaven. Uh, John 14 and uh, uh, on Sunday the 19th, signs of the times, fearful or faithful. All right. Does this make you fearful as you're watching what's happening around the world and watching what's happening uh, in the news. And then the 26th, the future, the church looking forward. What's our role in this point, from this point going forward? And what does God want the church to be ready and, and, and doing? It doesn't take rocket science degrees or you have to be a, a brain surgeon to figure out we're living in the last days. Doesn't matter where you get your news, it's all crazy right now. You with me? CNN, Fox, CBS, NBC, they're all crazy. I mean, every night you turn it on, every day you, you look at the app on your phone and you're like, it's like bad and worse, you know, uh, and, and you sit there and you're, you're trying to wrap your mind about what's actually happening. It's a, cra <coughs> excuse me, a crazy time to be alive. The world seems to be shaking on its axis. The entire Middle East, Europe, Asia is in turmoil. Growing up the son of a preacher man, uh, we, we missed that opportunity at our, uh, at, at our reception to play that only man that could ever love me was the son of a preacher man for my wife. But anyway, uh, growing up the son of a preacher man, I heard lots of sermons on, and I'm on a lot of meds, so I'm just telling you, I just get, be geared, uh, geared up this morning, it's going to be good. But uh, growing up the son of a preacher, we heard lots of messages in my day on the rapture. On the end times, on what that looked like, and, and, and speaking on the tribulation, on the great white throne judgment. And when I was a youth pastor, I remember uh, we would take our students to summer camp, and oftentimes they would preach about the end times, and they would talk about the tribulation, they would talk about the rapture, and it was often used to encourage them to, to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. But sometimes there was a little scare tactics mixed in. And they would use it to kind of, you know, uh, prime the pump, so to speak, to get them to, to want to get saved. And I remember one Sunday, we had gotten back from camp. We had been there all week. We had like 40, 50 teenagers next door in the auditorium standing up on the stage. And back then, we would give them all a, a chance to give a testimony in church. It was Sunday morning, all right? God and everybody is there. And we're sitting there watching. They're all getting up and this week at camp, God spoke to my heart and blah, 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 I got saved. Or this week, God spoke to my heart and he spoke to me about my relationships or he, whatever. And they were talking about what they had learned at camp. This one girl grabs the mic and I will never forget it as long as I live. She stood up there and she said, I made a decision this week to be present at the great white throne judgment of God. And I was thinking to myself, oh, no, we have failed. We have told. This is a passage in Revelation 20 where Christ sends all of those who've rejected the gospel to hell. 
And so all of our youth leaders are on stage going, no, 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 no. This is not what that subject was about. That's not, you missed the whole point of the message. But she was committing herself to, you know, she was not going to, she was going to be there for the great white throne judgment. And, you know, back in the day, you would hear lots of sermons on hellfire and brimstone. You would hear preaching. And uh, uh, my dad was not a screamer. He was not a kicker. He didn't use fear tactics. Uh, I'm thankfully faithfully preached the word, but you would hear these type of sermons that would often stir emotion and cause you to want to receive Christ. I remember the movies that came out. I've mentioned this one one time before, Thief in the Night. I'm not sure if it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up on the screen. I'm telling you, if you've anybody seen this movie, I mean, it's a beauty. I mean, I'm talking back 1970, before I was born, all right, this movie came out. If you want to scare the living daylights out of yourself, uh, watch the movie. It's, it's crazy. I saw it in like third grade at a Christian school. And I, I mean, to this day, it can bring up fear and, 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 and all those feelings back from those days. But uh, Left Behind, uh, I was looking, anybody see that? All right, Left Behind movie. Uh, Kirk Cameron is in this. And uh, I remember it came out in 2000. I was sitting here thinking like 1995 or something like that. 2000 Left Behind movies came out and literally scared the living daylights out of people. And, uh, but lots of people have gotten saved through that type of thing. One thing's for sure, many decisions were made during this season of life. And I don't believe in peddling fear, but as a pastor, you are to preach the whole counsel of God. And you're to cover those areas that are often sometimes difficult to, to, to take in, sometimes difficult to understand. But it's also important to understand what Christ has for his church and to be ready, to be waiting, to be anticipating the work that God has for the church. This morning, we're going to look at the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. He has a genuine heart to make sure that they knew that Christ is going to return. He's coming back. He is going to return They were growing in their faith. They had a decent um, grip on Christian doctrine, but they were missing something that was key. Christ's resurrection guarantees the resurrection of believers who have died before his return. I've used this passage many times at a gravesite as a reminder to the family that death is not the end. And I'm thankful for that. As my mom passed away a year and a half ago, I, I was sitting here thinking, this is not the end. She's not, this is, this is her, her body is being placed in the ground, but folks, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. This is the exciting part because her, her soul and spirit have already gone to heaven and she's in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. And folks, Paul turns his full attention here to eschatology, the study of last or final things. And it covers the death, the resurrection, the judgment, the final destiny of soul of humankind. And It's the last portion of the doctrinal statement in our next steps book. It talks about what happens in the last times, the end times, the the last thing. So I invite you to join in reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We will look at verse 13 as we begin this morning. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others uh, who who do not have hope. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, he says, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He's giving us a a hope. He says, this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, 
who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. All of us that have loved ones that have gone on before us can say amen to that. What an awesome thing. He says, they will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to ask, there's a number of families in our church that are facing some very, very challenging circumstances right now. Would you pray that God would just minister to their hearts? Would you pray that God would speak to hearts right here in this room, that those who've never placed their faith and trust in Jesus would understand the urgency of the gospel and, and, and that the rapture of the church could truly happen at any moment and be prepared to meet our Savior. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, I'm, my mind is, is burdened and heavy this morning for a number of families that are facing very dark and deep circumstances in their life, God. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to them right now. May they feel your presence. God, may they feel your Holy Spirit just encouraging them, wrapping your arms around them, allowing them to know that they're not alone, that they've not been abandoned, they've not been forsaken. God, would they just uh, draw on that relationship with you? Would you encourage them? For those that need healing, would you heal them, God? Would you draw them to yourself? And Lord, I pray for our mission team that's in uh, New Bern. God, encourage them this morning as they're wrapping up and as they'll be heading home later today, God. And Lord, I pray you'd speak to hearts of every person in this building. Lord, that we would, those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, that this morning would be that moment of decision that they would understand that Jesus Christ loves them and he died for our sins. And if we'll confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do a mighty work in hearts and lives. For Christians today, help us not to be afraid, but help us to be encouraged and strengthened and prepared to meet our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray until that time comes that we'd be found faithful here on this earth. God, would we be faithful? Would you encourage the church this morning through the preaching of the word? We'll give you the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. amen. What Paul is talking about here in our text is the first part of Christ's two-stage series of events surrounding the second coming of Christ. It's often referred to as the rapture of the church. It's the moment when Christ returns to earth to take his bride back to heaven. And the church home to heaven is the fulfillment of John 14, verse 3. He's, <coughs> excuse me, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what, church? I will come again. Let's try that one more time. I go and prepare a place for you, and I will what? Come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. At this moment, the church, the rapture of the church is the next major event on God's prophetic timetable. All of God's people can say this morning, amen. I'm telling you, I used to pray that my, the Lord would come back. His rapture of the church would come before my kids started dating and driving, all right? I've got a 21-year-old, my son turned 18 yesterday, and I've got two almost 14-year-olds and twins. He, anytime now, Lord, I mean, come on. I mean, seriously, I'm fine. We have uh, we've experienced great times. I, I know that totally sounds selfish, but, you know, as a parent, sometimes you're like, man, I just, I want the, I'm ready for the Lord to come back. Even so, my mom used to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I mean, and it's just that anticipation 
of the return of Jesus Christ, it could happen at any moment. I remember often hearing preaching and thinking, it could happen before the end of the service is over. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, that's, that's, it's intense. It's, it's exciting. It's, it, 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 but he's saying, at, at the moment, the rapture is the next thing on God's timetable. And, and, and so we must be ready. Crystal Lewis made popular a song in the late 90s. The course says, people get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming to take from the world his own. I love that song because it's a reminder that as we're living this life, we better live with a constant anticipation of the soon return of Jesus. The church needs to be reminded he's coming soon. It's up next. We need to start living like it. We took our son out for his birthday last night, and you go, you do the call-ahead seating, you get your name on the list, and you get there, and there's like 5,000 people sitting in the parking lot waiting to get into this same restaurant that seats 300, and you're sitting there thinking, we're never going to get in, and you walk up to the call counter, and they, they said, well, it'll be a little while, and, and all of a sudden, you find out you're up next. It's that, just that, man, we're about to get those rolls. I mean, we were texting Rose House. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like I could, I, I'm guaranteeing there's going to be yeast rolls with that butter that has the cinnamon in heaven. It's on, it's on the menu. I know it already. God's already told me that. We're sitting there, you're anticipating, I'm about to get these hot rolls that's going to change my world forever. The rapture is about to come, church. And the church is just sitting back like, kick back like, well, let's just take a stroll. And, you know, I'm just, you know, autopilot. Well, pastor, if there's nothing else going on on a Sunday, I'll show up at church. Pastor, if there's nothing else going on in all of 2024, I'll go on a mission trip. If God drops the money out of the sky and I win the lottery and I get, you know, I win the big jackpot. No, if you're not faithful with what he's already doing in your life, you will never ever give a dime when you win the lottery. So be faithful. What is he saying? He says, live like Jesus Christ will return at any moment. The first point here, there's no time for ignorance. Paul didn't want them to be confused. In verse 13, he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. He says, the rapture is coming. Christ will return to this earth again for all of to talk about Israel right now. Did you realize Christ is not coming to Washington, New York, or L.A.? He's not. He's coming to Israel. And so as we're sitting here watching what's happening around the world in the news, and you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe we should just have this and that. And you, uh, you can watch all that and get confused. But the reality is, is that's where he's coming back. He's coming back to Israel. And I bet we're to pray for the peace of Israel and Jerusalem. But do you realize... There's never going to be peace in the Middle East until Jesus Christ sets up and rules and reigns. It's not going to happen. We'll read the rest of Scripture, and it tells us it's going to be constant turmoil in the Middle East. Over into that time until he returns, when he comes back to judge those who have rejected the grace of God on earth, where will he return? Ultimately, he's going to one day step foot back again on the Mount of Olives. Where he ascended to go into heaven when he left his, his disciples and his followers. I've been there. It's right in the middle of everything that's happening in the end times. Thessalonians. 
were easily believing misinformation. So Paul wanted to clear up any confusion. He knew they didn't need more questions. They needed answers. They needed to know what the word of God said. The rapture of the church offers hope. He says, don't be misinformed. Don't be ignorant. Don't don't be blinded to the fact that God's going to return. He's sending his son, (coughs) Jesus, to return. Paul reminds us, he says, it's okay to grieve over the loss of loved ones, but we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. Aren't you thankful for that? Our hope is in the resurrection. Because he lives, we can live again. And those of us who've lost loved ones in Christ, we will see them again. Jesus is coming again. But he goes on, he says, the rapture gives us clarity in verse 14. The beautiful thing about the resurrection is that the death is not the end for the child of God. It's not the end. Because of the resurrection, we see in verse 14, he says, God will bring those who have fallen asleep. This describes they've experienced physical death, but they knew the Lord. It's the same sense when we look back in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. And he had died. He had been dead and in the grave for several days. And you know, Mary and Martha are worried, and they're like, if you'd only come. And he said, he's just asleep. It was, he, he changed the word from death to sleep. In fact, our modern word cemetery comes from the Greek word klimateria, which means a sleeping place. The bodies of Christians who die are asleep until the coming of the Lord. This passage provides commentary for another one of Paul's letters. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 55, he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. You see, what happens is the sting that Christ removed is the very idea that death is the end, that there's nothing more to life after death. He changed death from death to sleep because death for the believer is only temporary until Christ returns to rapture the church and begin, and we begin to enjoy eternal life. Here Paul's encouraging us. He says those who have deceased in Christ are not going to be excluded in the rapture. We're going to meet them in the air. There is a ton of songs about meeting the Lord in the air. And what that's going to be, what a day that's going to be when we're all joined together. I can't wait to experience that. Verse 15 says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, Who are left, he says, those who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. What an incredible thing to consider this morning. He says, the dead in Christ will rise first. My dad's always said that's because they have six feet further to come than the rest of us, all right? So it's just going to take a few seconds longer, but they're going to be coming forth. And I've always thought, how cool would it be to be near a massive church cemetery where literally hundreds, if not thousands of believers across multiple generations, maybe over in England, maybe someplace that has literally hundreds, if not, and they're all coming forth out of the grave to meet the Lord in there. What an awesome thing. Folks, that's not something to be afraid of. That's something to anticipate what God is going to do. It's an exciting time. Having my mom in heaven now, this passage is comforting. It's encouraging. He goes on in verse 16. Paul gives us clarity about the sequence of events. He says in verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven 
with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I've heard of people playing pranks on people and, uh, and going around playing a trumpet sound and, and scaring them half to death that the rapture was happening and they, and they, weren't, they were being left behind. And in high school, we, I remember uh, at a Christian school, this only happened in a place like that, we would write, you know, the rapture's come, you've been left behind, and everybody would go out, and the teacher would come in the room, and they're in the room by themselves, staring at, the, at a board with all, all the kids that have left the building. But, you know, the reality is, is it could happen at any moment. So he's saying, he says, those who are alive, who are left, verse 17, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will ever be with the Lord. Some of you are sitting here and there's, there's skeptics, there's all of that. Well, Pastor David, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. So I haven't listened to a single thing that you've said this morning. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because it's not. The, rea- the reality is you will not see that word in Scripture. But it's derived from verse 17 from the phrase caught up together. The phrase comes from the Greek word harpazo. It literally means to carry off by force or to snatch away speedily. It refers to the sudden nature of the rapture. In other words, when Christ comes to snatch his bride, to take his church home, imagine the sudden nature of the rapture. He, told, <coughs> he tells us what it's going to be like in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, he says the trumpet will sound... The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be, what church? Changed. Changed. We'll be translated from earth to heaven in a mere moment. Can you imagine the news media is not going to even have a clue what happened is millions of Christians will simply vanish from this earth. Growing up a, a child in the 80s. This was before the internet, so I know, you know half the church right this morning is going, I don't even remember that, don't know what that's like. But uh, growing up in the 80s, you, turned, you tuned into the evening news, and that's how you found out what was happening in our world. And our house, we tuned into Dan Rather on CBS. Anyone else grow up with Dan Rather? And uh, every night, he would tell us the stories about what was happening in It was depressing. I mean, like, it was like wars and famines and earthquakes and everything that was happening. And then he would get, at the very end, he would come back center screen. He had this stern look on his face and he said, folks, that's part of our world. You turn it off, we're all going to die. I mean, this is like the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, every night, that's part of our world. But folks, if you know Christ is your Savior, that's not something we have to worry about. That's not something we ought to be afraid of. It's something to celebrate all that God has for his children. The world is not our home. He says the rapture is coming soon. We believe that this will happen next on God's timetable, where Christians will be raptured, snatched away uh, before the judgment of the tribulation takes place. So when the Lord returns, watch this on the screen, he will raise the dead first. He's going to bring, raise the dead first. Then those who are alive, <coughs> excuse me, will ascend. And then from then on, we will always be with Christ. Doesn't that give you confidence and clarity this morning? Yes. Amen. 
I'm not living in fear. Every single one of those newscasters, if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, probably don't know his word either. And they're going to be like, holy cow, breaking news. I mean, every phone on the planet is going to be, you talk about uh, a, uh, what do you call those things where the, a child's missing? I'm not making a lot of them. Uh, yeah, Amber Alert. Can you imagine the Amber Alerts? I mean, a hundred million people have disappeared out of the United States of America. We do not know what's going on because they don't know their Bibles. They have no clue. People all across the world, planes are crashing. I remember seeing a, a picture growing up in probably the 1980. There was a picture. It was a cityscape. And there were people. The rapture was taking place. People were coming out of the graves. They were coming out of the office buildings. Cars were crashing. Planes were crashing. As people were being raptured, and I think I remember seeing that picture thinking, what a horrible, horrible sight. But folks, if you know Christ is your Savior, it's not scary. He's taking this church home. He's <coughs> rapturing the church of Jesus Christ. So he goes on thirdly, he says, the rapture offers us comfort. Look at verse 18. Paul wants us to be clear about what this time will look like, the great reunion in the air. The real person, the soul and spirit of a Christian leaves the body at death and goes into the presence of the Lord. But fast forward to the rapture. When the dead are raised, the living person who's been in the presence of the Lord is now reunited with their glorified, resurrected bodies. And that's part of the first reunion. He says, then... Those who are still alive, those of us, if, if Christ, and I think Matt said it this morning when we were praying as a volunteer team, he said his grandmother believed, or great-grandmother believed that she was going to be alive. Do you realize the Apostle Paul says, I, I think I'm going to be alive when, when Christ returns. Uh, I think it's a natural thing because as you study the scriptures, you anticipate, man, I think it could happen at any time. I, and I truly believe all the signs are pointing toward a sudden, soon return of Jesus. But folks, the lack of knowledge must have been a struggle for the church of Thessalonians. So uh, he says, encourage one another. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. And I've mentioned, I've shared that countless times at a graveside with loved ones. It's a comfort to know that the rapture is certain because of the resurrection of Jesus. Paul goes on in the very next chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Once we understand what God's plan is, we don't have to live in fear. It ought to strengthen our faith. But can I say this morning for those who don't know Christ, what he's done, what he's accomplished on the cross through the resurrection of Jesus can be yours if you'll repent and turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ alone for salvation. He alone satisfies the wrath of God for our sins. And say, Pastor, what's the application? Do you realize the great purpose in all of the prophetic text is to give hope to the believer, to give hope that, folks, this world is not the end? We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live wondering what the future looks like for the child of God. He says it gives hope <coughs> me, to the believer. Understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for the future is very, is very exciting. As a believer this morning, 
start living like the rapture could happen at any moment. Because it's next. Start living like Jesus Christ could return before this service is over because he can. Don't be afraid. Get ready. Wait patiently as God's plan unfolds for his bride. But church, let me, or those of you that are listening online, those of you that are in the building this morning, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, let me encourage you to confess your sins to him this morning. Let me encourage you, receive forgiveness. You can have a right relationship with God. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And his death, his burial, his resurrection alone is the only way that you and I can be saved. Church, let's tell others about the rapture. But let's be looking for the Lord. In other words, anticipating it. I'm excited. I can't wait. But also, let's be living for the Lord. Not just looking for it saying like, well, I've kind of got the blinds open. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. For, I've got my hearing aids turned up so I can hear when the trumpet sounds. No, let's start living like it. Let's start living for the Lord. He could return before the service is over. It's not the time to take a break from serving, from giving, from attending. It's the time to step up and be found faithful, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm excited. The rapture of the church is not a thing to fear. It's a thing to anticipate and, and be excited that, folks, this world, as bad as things are getting, God's getting ready to take us out of here. Let's be found faithful. Let's, let's spend the, whatever time we have. If it's five minutes, five years, or 50 years, let's be found faithful, abounding, living for the Lord, that he may find us faithful when he returns. Holy Spirit, would you transform our hearts this morning?